comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 48. This episode of the PKD Black Box is brought to you by Back in the Day, the original graphic novel from indie comic book mavericks Dave DeWanch and Daniel Logan. Back in the Day is a heartfelt and hilarious sci-fi romp that redefines the coming-of-age tale and asks the question, what would you do for love? Signed, numbered, and limited to 500 copies, this 64-page graphic novel is 20% off at dcbservice.com and includes a free limited edition print signed by Back in the Day artist Daniel Logan. Order your copy today at dcbservice.com. You can also go to actionlabcomics.com for additional details. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor. I want to sincerely apologize for not being able to post a PKD Black Box episode or Tales from the Attic episode last week. I had some uh, personal issues come about, and then I uh, fell prey to a nasty flu and stomach virus, which uh, put me out for the count for a while. But... I am on the road to recovery, and everything is starting to become good again. So what we're going to do this week, we're going to continue and finish our month dedicated to women in geek and pop culture. This episode, we'll have a conversation with Lori Thomas, pop culture and comic book podcaster extraordinaire. And then on Wednesday, we'll have an episode featuring Danielle O'Brien along with Bill Ellis, of the webcomic All New Issues and a special interview with Geek Syndicate, the comic creator, Harold Jennett. And then on either Friday or Saturday, we will have for you a Tales from the Attic podcast hosted by Donnie Salvo. So you will get three wonderful programs from PKD Media this week, also courtesy of HHWLOD.com. And for those that were kind of concerned with the feed issue, uh, we did have some minor feed issue feed issues last week on iTunes, but we got it all fixed. We're right where we're supposed to be. Our feed is good. Our feed is set. Um, for those that have been subscribing to the podcast via podbean.com, um, I would strongly recommend if you can go to iTunes, type the PKD Black Box in iTunes, subscribe to us there, or go to hhwlod.com or pkdmedia.com and subscribe that way. If you go to hhwlod.com, you will see the PKD black box icon in the right corner. Click on that and it will take you to where, where you need to be. Very easy to get to. Um, there's also a subscription area and like our podcast is right there by itself along with the other podcast, the hhwlod.com network has available as well and for our new listeners that have just uh, hopped on to listen to the to this podcast thank you again for listening and we hope that you continue to enjoy the show uh, once again for those listening to the pkd black box via Podbean, um, we will no longer be a part of Podbean after march 7th you'll be able to get our episodes via itunes or uh, hhwlod.com every single episode we've ever done will be there if you go to itunes now every single episode is listed which is fantastic so you know for so for people 
that have been listening to the podcast on iTunes but missed out on an episode here or there, now here's your chance to go and listen to those. I want to thank uh, Ken, Russ, and, and John from um, the HHWLOD family for uh, doing all their hard work and getting our episodes ported over, getting the feed worked out getting everything straightened out it's you know it's been a nice transition and it's definitely a good thing so i want to say special thanks to them for that and thank you to all of our listeners who continue to listen and support our podcast it means a lot to me before we get to today's meat of the program i have a couple of shout outs first shout out goes to the 11 o'clock comics podcast and the raging bullets podcast these two podcasts along with eight others were a part of the pop podcast primer my top 10 comics podcast on the pop candy uh, section of usatoday.com the article was written by whitney matheson who uh, lists her 10 favorite podcasts and 11 o'clock comics was listed at number two and the raging bullets podcast was listed at number eight well, at number eight so props to both of uh, both of those podcasts and all the podcasts that got nominated in the top 10 um, by uh, Whitney Matheson. That's a pretty big deal. Props and respect. Jason Wood, who uh, guest, had a guest appearance on our podcast um, episodes back, is part of 11 O'Clock Comics family. I just want to give a shout out to Jason and Chris and King Dap and uh, Vince B. And for Raging Bullets, uh, for Sean and Jim, props to you guys as well. I also want to give a shout out to a podcast that I've been listening to over the past few days while I was sick. Um, the podcast is called the Old School Wrestling Podcast. It's hosted by Dre and uh, a cat by the name of Juke Williams, a.k.a. The Black Cat. Uh, what the Old School Wrestling Podcast is, basically, it's the Old School Wrestling Podcast. They talk about old school wrestling matches from the 80s and the 90s. Uh, they also go in depth and uh, give you background on a lot of the matches, on a lot of wrestlers that they're talking about in general, in particular matches. Uh, sometimes they'll do an episode like based off a of pay-per-view. Sometimes they'll just do a specific match. Say for instance, they had an episode where they did the whole Ricky, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Ric Flair saga, which was fantastic uh, to listen to. I, this is just a great podcast. I'm a, I'm a big fan of old school wrestling and you know, I still dig some of the new school stuff when I watch it once in a blue moon, but they really go in deep with this podcast and it's a lot of fun so um if you get get a chance and you like old school wrestling uh, you can go to flarechop.com or you can go to itunes and just type in the old school wrestling podcast and find it there so if you dig that type of thing go check it out and now our feature presentation I'm joined on the line right now by the creator and host of Comic Book Road Show, the Geek Girl Daily Audio Blog, the Realms of Gold Podcast, and you can also hear her from time to time on the Fixers Hideout Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Lori Thomas. Lori, how are you doing? I'm okay. Wonderful. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. There have been a number of times that I've been on the Comic Book Road Show. You know, y'all let me talk about PKD Media and comics and an Action Lab and all this other cool stuff. So I figured for the month of February, doing things for ladies of geekdom and just pop culture and geekery all in general, I got to have one of the originators on the show. So that's why I'm just stoked to have you here. Well, thank you. And and we want to have you on one of our February shows because we are doing a... 80s and 90s black sitcom show for Black History Month. Oh, really now? 
Yes. We'll work out a date and you can count yes. me in. Yes, yes. Let's go ahead and get this interview underway. My first question to you before we even start talking about the podcast and how you got into podcasting and all that stuff. Who is your favorite Doctor Who and why? It's a toss up between uh, Eccleston and Tennant. Eccleston more so because he was a different type of a doctor and he really had this cool vibe to him. Uh, Tennant, because to me, Tennant is the perfect doctor. He was this perfect combination of being madcap, insane. Um, at the same time, it doesn't seem like he cared, but he did. And I just thought that he was the best doctor ever. And I really, while I liked the last season of Doctor Who, Matt Smith did not grow in me at all. Mm. It's interesting because during this whole month, there's been a lot of talk about Doctor Who during during episodes and after episodes. And the one constant has been that everybody has really loved David Tennant. And everybody's been David Tennant fans. Now, the Matt Smith, has been a, it's been a little different. You're probably the first person that said that you didn't care much for Matt Smith. Everybody else has been pretty much either, you know, give or take or they love Matt Smith. But um, you're the first person to not dig on Matt Smith too much. But, you, but you're also somebody that's real big on um, Eccleston. And uh, I actually got to watch, as of this recording, I got to watch a couple of episodes of Eccleston the other day. And I was really impressed. I was like, Destro is killing it on this show. So, yeah, yeah he, I actually wish that he would have uh, done a few more episodes. Uh, he originally signed on just to get it kickstarted, you know, for the new uh, Doctor Who, and he really didn't want to do it. Hmm. And it, it took a lot of, of talking to him to get him to do the episodes they did, but I honestly could have used at least three or four more episodes. I think that when he, you know, transformed into, you know, Tenet, uh, he was really coming into his own. And it, it's a shame because I think he. In addition to having one of the shortest runs as a doctor, I think that he brought something completely different to being the doctor. It definitely was a short run for him, especially like if you look at the Doctor Who website and you look at like all the list of episodes that all the doctors before and after him have done. With the exception of that American movie that was a uh, joint venture between, I think, like the BBC and, um, and like I think Fox, I think, um, mm -hmm. that was direct to television. I mean, he has like one of the shortest doctor runs out of any regular doctor. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, would, yeah it, it, I think it would have been cool if, if he had stayed longer, too. But it's just one of those things. It's like, if you don't dig it, why stay? Exactly. Stay. Why be miserable? I mean, if, unless the paycheck's nice. Anyway, um, no, I just want, I wanted to ask that because we've had a lot of Doctor Who talk. As far as podcasting goes, you've been doing Comic Book Roadshow for a while. And what was your inspiration to create Comic Book Roadshow? Well, first of all, let me just say, I'm not used to being the person interviewed, so this is a little weird for me. Um, the reason why I started Comic Book Roadshow is that I was at San Diego the year that CGS was there uh, back in uh, 2005. And I went to the podcasting panel, and it was, it was a whole of the greats. It had CGS, iFanboy, it had Chris Marshall from Collected Comics Library, uh, John Suntress from Word Balloon, and Leah Taylor from uh, I Read Comics. So they were all there on stage. And it was something that I had been wanting to get to uh, the entire trip. And it was on, I believe, Sunday morning, and we were dead tired, and we actually 
made our own CGS t-shirts uh, through WordPress. So when we met Brian, we bought their t-shirts and he was like, oh my God, you made your own t-shirt. So we go in and we sit down and I'm excited because I got my iPod, oh, I'd say maybe a year before that. And it had just been music. And then one day I said, well, let me see if there's anything on podcasts related to comic books. And of course, I found CGS, uh, Comicology, and a few others. And so I wanted to do a podcast. Had no idea how to go about it whatsoever. Dragged my husband into it. And I went to that panel. And it took me another, I'd say, two and a half years to finally get up the courage to actually sit down and put something together for uh, Derek Coward. It was the... Uh, I forget what season uh, of Smallville, but I did the review of the very final uh, episode that season. And that sort of got me started on my way and I haven't looked back. Comic Book Roadshow has been running for 100 plus episodes strong. And, you know, not only that, but you've also interviewed a, a slew of top notch creators, like a couple of examples. Um, and not just from a comic book aspect, but from television, too. Uh, you've interviewed uh, Brian Q. Miller. You've talked with J.K. Woodard. Um, you've also talked with uh, Peter Palmiotti, and haven't you also talked with uh, Jimmy Palmiotti as well? Jimmy Palmiotti, Peter Palmiotti, yes, we have interviewed both brothers. Both were lots of fun. I wasn't actually on the Jimmy Palmiotti interview. That was uh, Daryl. But uh, we, we've managed to turn ourselves from this twice-weekly rambling show into a, I like to call it, a suburban version of Word Balloon. We're now just basically an interview show. I found that if you just email people or ask them nice on Twitter, you can get some pretty pretty big names that you didn't think that would be willing to, to uh, interview with you. So it's been, it's been interesting because I have a bad habit of staying up late on the weekends, and I'll just cold uh, direct message and, and Facebook people. And because of that, in the next couple of months, we've got Wills Protasio, Phil Jimenez, uh, Alan Pasolacqua uh, are going to be coming up on the show, and I'm really excited about that. And we also have Dan Abbott. That's a pretty impressive list of people there. I have to give y'all props for going out and reaching out and talking to these people to get these interviews. I mean, I know for like some podcasters, some of them don't know how to, you know, professionally approach these people to request podcast interview and whatnot. And and we've interviewed we've interviewed a few pros and up and comers on our show too. And and you're right, really, just take it. Doesn't hurt to ask. Never does. And if you're three sheets to the wind on a Friday night, it's not. A, it doesn't sound like too bad of an idea. <laughs> <laughs> But back to Comic Book Roadshow. Now, like you said before, you have a slew of people that help you out on the show as well. Can you talk to us about some of the people that help you out on the podcast? Well, let me start at the beginning. Um, at first, it was just me. Then I wrote my husband in. Then I fired him. <laughs> I literally said, Mark, you're fired. He goes, oh, okay. And then I brought my best friend, Daryl Taylor, in. Now, I met Daryl when we both sort of joined the hideout around the same time. And then uh, Gabriel Perez who can't stay out of anything, says, I want to be on. <laughs> so for a while, it was the three of us. Well, Gabe got busy, and Gabe kind of begged off a little bit, uh, especially when we wrapped up our Doctor Who arc that we were doing, and it was just me and Daryl. Then we started bringing in people like Julian Lytle. We've had you on a few times. And then one of the craziest things ever, he I, I can't even say that he's even a guest anymore because he shows up Fairly regularly. We have Jamal Igo on, like, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, the coolest thing ever. 
See, I, I, I'm jealous. I'm jealous because I still keep meaning to get Jamal on our podcast. And I'm just trying to schedule it out because, like, I schedule our shows, like, way in advance sometimes so I can keep my sanity. I'm like, okay, we got to get Jamal on the show. You know, and I'm like, if we get him on the show, what can we, you know, what are we going to talk about? We got to, you know, we got to make sure we keep it fresh and everything. And so, no, I, I applaud y'all for having Jamal on the show because he's just a great guy. Yeah, he, he's a lot of fun. Then, of course, I, for a little while, I did a podcast with uh, The Fixer. Uh, from the Fixer's Hideout, Umar, and it was called Podcasting After Dark. We did that for about six, seven months straight, and then we sort of, you know, fell away from doing that. We're not doing that anymore, but he's been on the show a few times. But the really when it sort of gelled, I'd have to say, was last summer. I stepped away from the podcast uh, because I had surgery, and I was having some uh, recovery issues. So Daryl and Chris Krasicki, who is a co-host of No Apologies podcast, uh Another friend of ours, Julian, uh, they really sort of stepped in and they restructured it so that it would be an interview show and we started getting better numbers. And so now what Daryl and I do is we set up our own interviews. We pick who among our friends are on the podcast and we fit it to the interview E. Like, for instance, when we did Art and Franco a couple months ago, which came out, I think, two weeks ago, it was me, Gabe, and Julian Lyle, because they both like Art and Franco's artwork. Um, Daryl has a very good rapport with J.K. Woodard and Jason May, so he did those interviews. So it's not like you're, we've split up. It's just that we each have people that we can get on the show, so we each do our own interviews. And then our problem is, is I'll have four or five interviews. He'll have four or five interviews, and we get our numbering confused because he'll say, okay, this is 117. No, 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 no. This is 117. So <laughs> so if you listen to our numbering, it's a little skewed, and and I'm waiting for somebody to say something because no one has said anything. We did not do a 100. We, we still haven't recorded the 100th episode. <laughs> so we, we'll get around with that eventually. But, no, it just depends on who I can get, who Daryl can get, and our, our schedules. Okay. Well, no, I, I think, but I think it definitely helps, you know, your show that like when you set up interviews and Daryl sets up interviews that you work out the interviews to where, like you said before, um, the interviewers and the interviewee, it works best for the both of them. And they're, and like, cause they're most familiar with those people and you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So exactly. I, it, it, you definitely get like a better return from the interview and in, in that sense, you know, it's pretty smart. So no uh, props to y'all for doing that. Now, no, I know Daryl, Daryl's been on our show a number of times and He's left us questions uh, for on the show a number of times. And, and you know, we all know Daryl. Daryl is a trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl is a trip. Now, what I want to know, you run CBRS. Is Daryl truly a Devo? And for those that don't know Devo, Devo is a, is a male version of Diva. Is he truly a Devo? And if so, how do you deal with that? Well, I usually insult him. Um, and when he gets too high on his high horse, I remind him of how many reality shows, <coughs> Real Wise Atlanta, that he watches. So, he watches that? Oh, God. He gave me a blow-by-blow the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and you should have seen this. And she, and that one did this. I'm going to have to have a talk with Daryl. <laughs> no, he's 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 um, actually one of the best guys out there as far as uh, uh, podcasting is concerned because he, he doesn't take himself too serious. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this, though. He's a lot better than me because he's actually – sat down and taught himself how to edit. I don't edit a single thing unless it's something really, really bad or the sound quality because I wanted to learn. I didn't have anyone to teach me. The fixer tried to teach me, and he's not a very good teacher. So 
what you get from me is I'll send it to Daryl. He'll edit it up. He'll throw in some music, and we put it up. Okay. He's really taken podcasting to a, a new level as far as dedication is concerned. But at the same time, he will at the same time that he's editing and he's you know doing the podcasting, he'll send me a link to various things, and he'll tell me to lay a fart joke. So you know, yeah, that's that's Daryl to a T. Uh, <laughs> completely. Completely. That man is on more podcasts and does more podcasts. He's like the Black Dick Clark of podcasting. And he's starting a new one. I know. A Batman one. How does he have time to do all this? How, how is it? It is not, there are not enough hours in the day. Plus, he's going he's gonna to kill me. One, <laughs> he's divorced. Two, he lives with his mama. <laughs> no, he, he basically has a pretty pretty tight schedule. He he devotes usually Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to podcasting. Mm. Maybe on occasional Monday when we do no apologies, but that's a group podcast, so yes. it's pretty much he, half the time he'll let me take lead on topics and stuff. But he, he's I'd say Friday through Sundays he's dedicated to what he needs to do and he gets it done. His problem is that he records so much that we probably on any of the shows that because we all are under the same umbrella, we probably have anywhere between. 10 and 15 hours of content that we still need to put out on a weekly basis. But it's a good thing to have all that content as long as that content within itself doesn't get too dated. Yeah, and and, and see, that's that's the only problem I had with Art and Franco interviews. I did that back in November. Mm. But we had so much of a backlog that we finally put it out a couple weeks ago. So we, we try to get it out as soon as possible. And I think that the best thing for us is that I have to keep reminding him, hey, dude, you got that interview, put it out. But, you know, and I also have to remind him, you got to put this show out. We got to do this show out. And we actually have fairly regular conversations about the shows, how we're going to do the shows, what who's going to be on it. Uh, we usually t- spend about four or five hours a week just talking on the phone about the podcast. tell you what let's move on to uh, the geek girl daily audio blog now um (laughs) okay now by the sound of your voice you don't sound too enthused to talk about that now is this something that's still ongoing or it's still ongoing um i haven't done it as frequently as i did in the past basically the reason geek girl daily audio blog came along is that just bill was doing a audio blog and i thought it was a cool idea and instead of talking comics, I wanted to talk about things that are happening in my everyday life. What people need to understand about me is that I've had three surgeries in two years. And so I had a lot of downtime. And around the time of my first surgery, I started doing this daily eight to ten minute blog about what had happened throughout my day. Got back to work, did a little bit less frequently, started doing it first thing in the morning, uploading it before I went to work and or doing it when I got home. After a while, it seemed like people were getting sick of it, so I kind of backed off. So I started doing it every couple of weeks, every couple of months. Now I've got a new format, and this format is going to be once a month, and you're going to love the cast, by the way. It's going to be me. It's going to be Hanako Ricks, uh, HMR Potter. She's been on our show a few times, and Kat from uh, Fancy Fembot, and we're going to do the Geek Girl Daily Audio Blog. you got three, three black women talking about what we did that month. (laughs) <laughs> well, that definitely works out well. Good luck with that. Good luck Thank with you. that. Now, your other podcast. Now, this is interesting because I really want to talk about this one. It's the Realms of Gold podcast. Now, I've overheard you talk about this podcast, but for those that don't know about it, 
What does Realms of Gold go into? Well, basically, Realms of Gold is an extension of my massive pile of sci-fi fantasy novels that I have and I read. I read two genres. I read murder mysteries, cozies, where there's no blood, you know, a la Murder, She Wrote. And I also read a ton of sci-fi fantasy novels. And one day last fall, I started thinking, you know, I want to do a solo podcast talking about something not related to comic books. And I thought, well, there's not a lot of really good sci-fi book review podcasts. There is a Star Wars Book Report, which is excellent. Uh, there's Books and Nachos, which is a sci-fi podcast done by uh, Arnie Cavulo, who does uh, Star Wars Action News. Knows there's a trend there. And <laughs> <laughs> so um, I decided to name it Realms of Gold because I couldn't think of anything else. Again, this was midnight. You know, me, me you know, I've had a, had a glass of, Mer of Merlot, and I'm thinking, that would be a good idea. <laughs> so I basically, I had, I had John Carroll on, I believe it was the second or third episode, where we broke down the different genres of sci-fi fiction. Pretty much what it is, whatever I'm reading that week, I will do a 30 to a 40-minute review of the books that I am reading, and I will talk about them, I'll give a review, and then I give a teaser for next week. Like, for instance, I just finished uh, reviewing for uh, Realms of Gold number nine, I'm looking at them right now, the uh, trilogy, the Jedi Academy books, and uh, I just finished that, and right now I'm half reading Children of the Jedi, and I'm going, and I'm dreading going into it because my Enterprise books were so good. I'm reading two Next Generation books that deal with the Borg after Enterprise ended. Okay. Uh, a Deep Space Nine TNG in it. So right now, my reading list for the year is pretty much going to be bouncing between Star Wars and Star Trek. And uh, this next month, I'm going to be doing uh, Dragonlance. Um, I know a little bit about Dragonlance. Not too much. But after Dragonlance, Star Wars, and Star Trek, do you, or will you be venturing outside of, of those like three three types of series? Yeah. Um, I've done Anne Bishop, uh, who is a fantasy writer. My go-to is Misty Lackley. She's my favorite sci-fi writer. I've got some Harry Turtle dub that I'm thinking about doing, some Douglas Adams. After that, I'm going to be going into the Dresden books. I'm thinking about actually taking one of the uh, graphic novels I have, uh, Starman, and doing that. And then after that, I'm thinking I'm going to go into some older stuff, H.G. Uh, Wells, Isaac Asimov. So basically, anything sci-fi or sci-fi fantasy if I read it, I review it. Now, do you see yourself, as this show continues to progress down the line, do you see yourself interviewing authors uh, for for the podcast? Well, actually, I do have one interview that I will be doing uh, later on this summer, uh, and that's L.A. Banks. She writes a Vampire Hunter series. She is pretty much the only African-American uh, romance-slash-vampire writer in the country who's been on the New York bestseller uh, time list. And uh, we've had a long-standing agreement to do an interview with her on the Vampire Huntress book. So we'll be doing that in the spring. And I have feelers out for Misty Lackley. I actually know the local guy down at the LCS who's written his own books. And I think I'm going to interview him and, and talk about some of his stuff. I had no idea about the uh, or Vampire Huntress. I'll, I'll send you a list. Okay, excellent. Um, and also, John backed out on me because he couldn't take it. He said it was too nerdy. I actually reviewed the Science of Battlestar Galactica a few podcasts back. Really? Now, is the Science of Battlestar Galactica, is this the new series or the old series? The new series. Oh, okay. Dry reading, it puts you to sleep like no one's business, but I got through it. <laughs> I need to send you a copy. Actually, you know what? I wonder if I still have it because I read it so much as a child, it became just tattered. It was the Doctor Who technical manual. Oh, I don't have that. Um, this is from the 80s. This was during the 
Tom, when like PBS was showing Tom Baker, Peter Davidson, and, and Colin Baker, it was during that era, and I found it in a Walden Books. Now, granted, by the time this podcast comes out, Walden Books may no longer exist, but um, it, I got it from a Walden Books, and it had like uh, diagrams of, of, of the TARDIS, oh. on the inside of the TARDIS, the control mm-hmm. panels, um, stuff on the Daleks, the Cybermen. And it was just awesome because you had these blueprints and these like wonderful descriptions, and like they went in deep. And I remember the best thing about that book was at the end, it had a create your own TARDIS. At the, oh, uh, that just sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, ooh, I can create my own police box. That is so cool. So, but it, it, but the technical manual was great, and I really wish I still had it because I literally read it until it fell apart. Technical manuals are fun. Um, I've got, of course, all the Star Trek. Uh, technical manuals. I've got, like, so I've got a few BSGs. Um, they're fun, but you you really have to like science for some of them to really get through them. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And especially the the Star Trek ones. But I read if it says any if, if it's got Bane, Tor, any of the Bantam books, any of those publishers, and it even looks like sci-fi or fantasy. I, I read it, and I will say this, and I actually mean it, though my husband was going, no, that's why I got you the Sony Reader. If anybody in the listening audience has any old sci-fi books that they don't want anymore, send them to me. I'll take them. I'll pay postage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking for, for books. I'm upset because I've only got about 15 books left in my pile that John sent me and a few other people, so I need books. <laughs> One last thing about Realms of Gold. What I'm doing is in order to save paper, because my husband says that I have more bookshelves than anyone he knows. We have a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment, and I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have eight bookshelves. Yeah. <laughs> not not counting my drawer boxes with my comic books. Well, okay. Okay, now. All right. That's a lot of books. <laughs> that, that's why I got a Sony reader for Christmas. <laughs> So how do you feel about the Sony Reader? Do you like it? And compared to like a Kindle or iPad or um, or like a Nook? Well, I'll, I'll get. I have a three part answer for that. Um, I do another podcast. I do monthly. I didn't include it because it's more Thomas's than mine. I do and do not make fun of me. I do a tarot podcast. Yes, that tarot from Broad Sword Comics with Thomas Matthias once a month called Hexcast. And I'm lazy. I don't want to dig through my 10,000 comic books and pull out the issues. So I'm reading those issues on my iTouch. Very different reading experience. Most of my Star Trek novels I'm reading for the PC Kindle. And with the Sony Reader, I'm reading everything else. Three different formats, all digital. The best one for me is the Sony Reader. Needs a backlight, but the gray background is decent the only problem is is that if you go from small to medium print sometimes medium print is too big and the small is too small the difference with the eye touch as far as comics is concerned you have to hold it vertically or horizontally sometimes in order to get the full panel uh the pc kindle it's like you're reading a textbook online the only problem is that if you scroll down you'll jump entire paragraphs and you have to go very slowly to get back and read it like i said uh, of the three that i use digitally i have to say that the sony reader is my favorite one so far. As far as comics go, 
what is it that you're reading right now that you really enjoy? The fact that I've got a year's worth of comic books that I didn't read last year because I was sick. Um, <laughs> literally a year's worth. Uh, my LCS actually brought me my comic books to my house. Wow. Because we're friends and, well, let's face it, I'm one of his best customers. <laughs> um, I am more DC than Marvel. Right now, I'm really into the Batman books, Secret Six, Birds of Prey, all the various Batman books. Besides that, Green Lantern. Uh, on the Marvel side, Fantastic Four, I know who died. I'm not going to say. I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Avengers, of course. Um, I don't touch X-Men books with the, with 10-foot pole. I, t I famously tell a story about, oh, I'd say about 11 years ago, I walked into my old LCS, and in one week there were 17 X-Men books. I, 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 I paid for them, and I said I will not be back. I read Uncanny, and that's about it. Uh, if there's a Wolverine series, like Wolverine Origins, or uh, the latest one uh, with Wolverine, I'll get that, and I'll send it to my little brother. Um, no, I'm not so big on Iron Man storyline lately. Thor, I've been really enjoying stuff for Vertigo. Uh, I read a lot of Vertigo. Fables, Jack of Fables, Scout, DMZ. I loved 100 Bullets, hated how it ended. Uh, the Cinderella mini was good. Uh, getting into Constantine a little bit. Shadow Pact, I loved it. I hate it that it ended, but I think the Willingham really destroyed that book. Mm. Green Lantern is my favorite. Enjoying Brightest Day, love Blackest Night. Still my favorite one of, of all that DC has ever done is uh, 52. I just loved 52. Yeah, that's one of my favorites, uh, especially the single-issue format. I like the single-issue format more than the trades because I just like the little origins they had in the back of each book. Graphic Audio has a audio version of 52. They cut the story a little bit. It just focuses on, you know, Montoya, Shazam, uh, uh, and Supernova, but it's an excellent rendition. They also did Infinite Crisis, Crisis on Two Earths. Uh, they also Final Crisis, which I haven't checked out yet. Uh, pretty much a lot of cape stuff. I haven't really checked out Irredeemable or any of that sort of stuff. Um, read a little bit of Chew, read a little bit of Sweet Tooth. Um, I'm not one of these indie girls who likes stuff like the Luna Brothers or... Strangers in Paradise. I picked Strangers in Paradise up and I promptly put it back down. I just thought it was not for me. Mm. Um, I'm not into that whole indie chick vibe thing. Um, I'm pretty much a, a straight up capes person. That's pretty much what I read. Uh, of course, I love Top Cow. I'm going to admit a very embarrassing thing right now. Not only do I have every single statue, every single trading card, I've got every single issue of Lady Death and Purgatory. That, that is heavy. But you know what? Look, I've one thing about comics, and I'll say this to each their own. I'm not, you know, yeah, we can make jokes about this stuff, but I, there's no need to like rake somebody against the coals, you know, for liking what they like as far as comics go. You know what I mean? I, I just, I, I oh, can't yeah. do it. I mean, we can, like I said, we can make jokes. I mean, we pick, we pick with Daryl all the time we talk to him every time he says he watches shit my dad says. So, I mean, I grant that's not a comic, but still, it's still bad television. But, you know, we, you know we, we joke with them. But you like what you like and you watch what you watch. You know, and there's nothing wrong oh, with that. Oh, yeah. And, and a lot of my reading when I was younger was Iron Man and Thor. They were my favorites. Got out of it a little bit in the 90s, of course, going to school. When I got back into it in the 90s, it was a speculative market, of course. Everybody was, you know, oh, this spoiled cover is going to send my kid to college. I hit a lot of the, I hit a lot of Top Cow, a lot of Image, Spawn, uh, Witchblade. Uh, Magdalena, Chaos Comics. I could have killed Brian Poole when he uh, when he went bankrupt. And I walked into the LCS to get my latest copy of Lady Death. They're like, "Oh, it went bankrupt." No, I actually passed, and I'm so ashamed. I passed on a mint condition PVC of the entire 
cast of Preacher. It was offered to me. I didn't get it. Love Preacher. Think it's one of the best things that have ever been written. Uh, love the boys, even though I do think certain issues are very disturbing. I was a big Poison Elves fan back in the day. Basically, I've been reading comic books since I was eight years old. Started with Amethyst, like I've said previously. And I've never stopped reading except for about four years. And I'm going to just say this. Um, when my grandparents both passed away, I was in a very, very bad place. And I can honestly say that reading comic books probably saved my life. And I will never, ever give it up. I don't care if I'm turning 39 next week. I will be 80 years old in a nursing home making that damn nurse take me to the LCS or using DCBS. <laughs> I'd been in and out of comics for the longest time. Now, I mean, I've been back in it, in it for the past few years, nonstop. And, you know, whether it be creating comics or reading comics or whatever. And it's just, it's just a love. It really is. And it's just like one of the greatest forms of art in this world. And I just wish there was a better appreciation for it. And I just don't think, think that people really understand all the work that goes behind in making a comic. Nope, they don't, they don't understand it. And what makes me really mad is when you're in the big leagues, you're in the big two, uh, Marvel or DC, and you're given an opportunity to write, draw, ink, color, whatever, edit, and you produce a comic book that just looks horrible. You, you, you've got misspelled words. You've got inks that shouldn't be so heavily done. You've got color palettes that are off, and you've got really horrible pencils and you put it out and it's a top tier company and it's like I'm wasting my money getting these books and these books are horrible and I can go get an indie or a small press and it's a hundred times better it just it makes me mad that my classic example is the Moon Knight run that book should never have been published it was just that badly done you, you got somebody here who in anticipation of the new Moon Knight run a couple years ago, I went back and I pulled every single essential that I had, and I read Moon Knight for like a month getting ready for this. Mm -hmm. I get this book, and it it made me very, very, very upset, and I, I stuck with it for like the first six or seven issues, and I, you know, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. It just, it hurt me. Mm -hmm. It really did. But then again, on the other side, there are people who hand stuff in. They just sort of, you know, write just to get a paycheck, and they don't really care. I mean, we've got characters that are getting killed off. we get characters who are they're giving them weird powers or they're moving them to this place and that place, and they don't seem to respect the continuity in the past. Jeff Johns is one who I applaud because he does take the time to actually think about what's happened. See, that's the thing, continuity. If you keep the continuity to a certain level, you could tell me that Reed Richards is a go-go dancer. As long as it fits in continuity, <laughs> I'm good with it. You know, my whole thing with continuity is this. To me, you can have continuity, but as long as a as long as a reader can go in, and I'm talking about anybody off the street, new reader, old reader, whatever. As long as that person can go in and look at the book and understand what's going on, that's what matters most to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, because there are so many people that have gotten so heavy into continuity that, to a point, it can also become out of control to where you're just writing for fifty thousand people. Mm -hmm. And and that's an issue that I that's an issue that I have and you know because I, I feel that you know you should be writing for it, for as many people as you possibly can and not just a set of people. Re now respect mm -hmm. respect the past, 
Now, you definitely, re- you know, respect the past. You know, that 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 I understand because you have to because there, you know, there was a layer laid. You know, there was a foundation. That's what I was looking for. There was a foundation laid before this writer got here or that writer got there. So, you know, as long as that's respected, that's fine. But but if I can, but if to me, if a reader, if a new reader or a reader off the street that hasn't read a book in years tries to come in and read something and is automatically confused, that's a problem. Now, I'm saying it can't, you know, you can't have that with every book. It's just impossible. But there's just there's got to be a just a good medium to where that can be fixed. So, in other words, you're talking about Namor now being a mutant. Oh, <laughs> see, I wasn't even talking about. <laughs> see, I forgot I, I forgot all about that completely because like they've changed him so many times over the years. Like, and I'm always behind on my comics. Like, if you say Namor to me, I still think about businessman Namor from like the '90s, from the John Byrne era when he had the fly suits on. He was, yeah, he, was yeah. he was like the J.R. Ewing uh, mm-hmm. of the Marvel mm-hmm. Universe. Yeah, I used to love yeah. that. Yeah, I, I sent those books to my brother, and he hardly ever calls me. I got a phone call that day. <laughs> what did they do to Namor? <laughs> it's like, you're, you've got to be kidding. No, no, no. Keep keep reading. It gets better. You know? and by the way, Jubilee's a vampire. You know, it's just... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, they, they, they change things. up, and, and honestly, it's more Marvel than DC. Uh, in my opinion, as far as changing things up now, DC will do a total sweep, zero hour, for instance. Can't talk. For instance, they'll wipe the slate clean, but they'll build it back up with the EC and the Charlton characters and all the other characters to where they make sense where zero hour was, you know, acceptable. Same thing with their crisis. They'll tear something down. Uh, same thing with, with GL. Let's face it, when when they started building up Green Lantern, we really didn't know that it was going to lead to uh, the Sinestro Core War, which I still think is the most awesome issue ever, <laughs> miniseries ever, Sinestro Core War. We, did, we, we knew that they were building, but when it got to that, and that last page, and we saw the anti-monitor, we were like, oh, that's what that was back in Emerald Wars. That's what that was. Back, you know, and, and it, just, it just brought it all forward. And now that we've got, I mean, who would have thought that you would have had grown men and women, okay, mostly men, running around fighting for different color lantern rings. That was... I'm still missing the blue one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still mad. I've got two of, the, two of the lavender or periwinkle ones. They took something that was sort of a character that a lot of people didn't like, and they managed to make it into uh, a new, I'm not going to say quad, I say trilogy, because my personal feelings are is that they either need to cancel the Wonder Woman book or exilers somewhere for about 10 years because they keep trying and, and i was telling Gerald this the other day if gail simone couldn't do anything with wonder woman we're not in good anything good because they can't seem to make us care about her to the point that we care about batman that we care about superman that we care about green lantern now i mean wonder woman would be an awesome book but they just can't seem to write it the right way And I don't even think it's the writing. I don't even think that it's the artist. I think it is that Wonder Woman has not, for a lot of women, been appealing over the last 15 years. And as a woman in comic books, which I hardly ever trounce because I, I just read comic books. It doesn't matter you know, what sex I am. 
she just, they, they never really made her interesting. I'll give you another example. Wonder Girl number one came out a couple of weeks ago. Cassie Sandmark. All right. I was excited. Horrible issue. Horrible number one. I mean, it was like, is this the best you guys can do? Can you not write a female character other than the birds that's interesting? A lot of it depends on your editorial team, too. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, you know, editorial plays a, plays a big deal in making these books. It's not it's not just the right it's not just the writer as much as it is editorial. Edit, mm-hmm. Editorial always plays a role, and that you know may also be an issue as well. We're in an age now where we see the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. You know, we know more behind, behind the scenes about comics probably now more than we've ever known. And you know, sometimes it's a good thing, and sometimes it's a bad thing, but. I, I I keep telling myself that Wonder Woman will be that the character of Wonder Woman will be able to rebound. I don't know if it needs another reset button. The last thing, but the last thing a lot of these characters need right now is a reset. But as of this recording, NBC did accept, uh, finally accept the Wonder Woman pilot. Now that this whole NBC Comcast Universal merger is official, they have accepted the Wonder Woman pilot. And granted, it's David E. Kelly. You know, I can't say anything because I've seen no script. You know, I've seen no script. I've seen no episode. So I can only say, okay, it's David E. Kelly. He's done a ton of stuff. And how much super, you know, how much super heroin am, you know, will we get when we watch this pilot? Uh, Daryl read me something that he had found somewhere about the basics of what it's supposed to be. And I have to say that it reminded me, and I shamefully admit I have the DVD box set. Remember the old Birds of Prey TV series? Yes, I do. It reminded me of that. Now, this is I'm the same woman who has the Witchblade box set and watches it once a year. And and and, and I'm waiting for you to get on the television because I got a lot to say about television. <laughs> What's in your roundhouse as far as TV? What what is it that you're enjoying right now um, that you know that that you that you you enjoy? Well, right now, I, I actually enjoy watching Human Target a lot. Even I, even I, with the cast change up, you know the cast change up was interesting. I'm getting sick of the boss lady a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that the, some of the, the first part of the season was really good. The last couple of the, the double episodes that they did, yeah. but I, I have a feeling that it'll finish out strong. I love Castle, which I didn't watch until last year, which I think is just awesome. As far as shows that I really enjoy, they're really not on right now. Eureka, I love. I love Warehouse 13. See, what else am I watching besides the sickness that is called Top Chef? Um, I, I would watch V if ABC decided to stream it, but they're not. Well, um, that, now that streaming thing, uh, streaming thing with a lot of these ABC shows, there's a lot of uh, stuff behind the scenes going on about that. Now, is Modern Family being streamed right now? Modern Family is being streamed right now, but the producer put out a letter last year saying that uh, he owns the show and he is in negotiations right now for next season on whether or not ABC will get first run online. Okay. Which I find is in, which which is happening behind the scenes with V right now. Right. And see, and then that's that's a really big deal with some of these ABC shows as far as streaming goes. Like with with NBC, it's an entirely different game. Like that's all they they stress they stress more than anything else after a show is done that you can go watch it online. 
Right. You know, they'll right. they'll stress it. ABC doesn't stress it. And see, and I and I understand if I was a creator, hey, I want my share. I would want my share of any revenue from streaming because this is something that's new and you're dealing with an industry that still uses old processes and old contract processes. So, something like streaming, you know, some of these networks can say, "Well, we can we can get away with this and this and get all get all this." So I understand where the, I understand where some of these producers are coming from, but in the end, not only does it hurt the producer, not only does it hurt the network, it also hurts the viewer, which could pull your your you know your viewership away. Right, right. Um, just just a quick because I'm trying to remember what what I'm watching now. Uh, real quick off of my Hulu queue, uh, Beast Legends, which Francis Manipal. Uh, Burn Notice Castle, Community, Dancing at the Stars, Eureka, Fringe, Glee. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, which Daryl got me into, of all things, people. Uh, Modern Family. Oh, I love, love, love Psych. Uh, the Office, just because I've been watching it for five years. Sanctuary, which I love, which people, geeks, do not talk about at all. Yeah, the only, the only folks that I know that talk about Sanctuary are, once again, your friend, your friend Daryl. And Donnie on on the uh, Nothing's Own podcast. That's it. Those are only those are the only two folks I know that talk about Sanctuary. No, I, I think that we're the only three watching it. Um, Sons of Anarchy, which is one of my favorite shows, and of course, like I said, the Top Chef uh, series, the, all the different incarnations of it. But uh, that's what I'm watching right now. Stables that have been in my roundhouse for years and years and years. Number one, Daryl. Yes, I'm saying it, and I don't care what you say. Uh, Murder She Wrote. I own all 12 seasons on DVD, quite probably. Dukes of Hazards, Dallas, Heart to Heart, Dynasty, Diagnosis, Murder, uh, Matlock. Now, from classic television, because that's become a niche market in itself, even to the point where now um, channels like Nick and Knight are coming out with original programming um, using stars from the 80s and early 90s, like the uh, Valerie Bertinelli thing, Hot in Cleveland with Betty White, who's had this major resurgence over the past you know, almost two years. And things like that, but you know, there's something about like the '80s tel- with '80s television. And it's about to come back around again with uh, Drew Barrymore trying to greenlight a new Charlie's Angels TV series. Um, a couple of years back, they're trying. You know, some studio was trying to greenlight a Dallas live action film. You know, yeah. you're starting to see this stuff come back, come back around again in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, how do you feel about that? With me, it's it's a give it's a give or take because you know for that stuff when it came out when it did, I understand why it did because that was its time, and that's what it is, and that's pretty much you know all you you know where you take it. Like T.J. Hooker is a perfect example. Uh, T.J. Hooker, I watched it a couple of nights ago. It was on Sleuth, and the show was bad. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It, it. The show the show is bad, but it's fun to watch. But in the 1980s. That was a serious cop show, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know. But but we have so much realism in television now. All the stuff from the eighties looks like pure fantasy. Well, I'll, I can answer that with with two things: uh, one good, one bad. The bad. Now, one of my all time favorite shows. Again, I've got every single season. Uh, Dukes of Hazards. I love me some Dukes of Hazards. I will sit there and watch Dukes of Hazards every day of the week. The movie. I cried because it just. It was so horrible. It was just, it was painful to, to watch them bastardize the General Lee. And, and just, and just the, the whole, it was just, it was just horrible. On the other hand, I've watched the new A-Team movie eight times. No, no, I, I enjoyed the new A-Team movie as well. I really didn't see anything wrong with it for, this, for the simple fact 
that the 80s TV show was ridiculous. So the movie had every right to be ridiculous. Oh, it was, it was, I I still watch the A-Team on a regular, I watch a lot of 80s television just, you know, because I, because I, I like it. And I, I had a, this thing where when I had a little bit of money, I went and I got every single DVD box set of my favorite shows. So I've got all the Knight Rider and, you know, and all, all that stuff I've got on DVD. And now with Netflix, I feel silly because I wasted hundreds of dollars. But, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, curse you, Netflix. But um, no, I have all that and I will go back and I will watch it over and over again. One of the movies that I love from a kid I watched last week on Netflix. I sat here in the office and I just laughed my ass off. I watched Smokey and the Bandit and enjoyed it thoroughly. Oh, that was so much fun. And I I actually watched it twice and, and my husband was like, you do know two things. One, that's a horrible movie. Two, that's a horrible movie. <laughs> oh, oh, please. Jackie Gleason is, oh, it was great. But no, I, I, I think that they, they misstepped with the Bionic Woman. They misstepped with several other shows. They're bringing back Dallas with Larry Hagman as a TV show. I think it's a mistake. They misstep with Melrose Place, which I loved back in the day. Daryl's favorite, my fourth favorite, is Beverly Hills 90210. I think the new series is absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. You, you got to have Brendan, Brendan, Brandon Kelly, you know, Dylan Peach Pitch. That's, you know. Um, <laughs> but I think that the, what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring back things that both people our age and older and younger people can sort of all get together and, and, and watch. And I think that the new Doctor Who was a good example of that. Yeah. But um, as far as American television is concerned, they haven't really been that all successful. And I don't think they will be. I mean, if they bring back Bosom Buddies, I'm jumping off of a ledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the big the big problem with, with American television right now, as far as the networks go, cable is a different game. Cable can do whatever it wants. But with network television, because of how the revenue, how revenue works and, Network television is trying to realize that the game is changing as far as how we watch TV and whatnot, and how we watch these shows. So then, you know, they're losing that revenue and they're trying to regain revenue and understand how, how this industry as a whole is going to work now. Because you, know, you can't constantly try to fit a square into a round hole. Nope. Nope. So, so, so in doing so, they still have this theory of it used to be years ago, if, if a show was expensive but was either on the fence or had the possibility of becoming better and, inc- and increasing its ratings, the show would stay. Mm. Now it's, you know, you got three episodes, maybe a couple more, or if, if they greenlit six, if you're not hitting in five, you're gone. Doesn't matter. There's no room for growth anymore. Now, granted, some networks are kind of like, you know what, we really don't have a choice. We really need to let stuff grow because we've let a lot of stuff go or, or get canceled that we shouldn't have canceled, and now we're paying for it. And, you know, so, but in situations like that, sci-fi-esque type shows, as certain action shows might get the boot, whereas, you know, now every network has at least a minimum of two to three cop shows, a couple of hospital shows, a couple of, um, you know, courtroom dramas. It's pretty standard. I mean, CBS, three CSIs, two NCISs. They have um, a couple other cop shows like Blue Bloods, which I do like, though. I think that's a good show. But they just, but I think they just greenlit another cop show. Where's that ABC? But see, if you, if, you, if you notice what I mean, it's like every network has X amount of cop shows, X amount of lawyer shows, X amount of hospital shows. And I'm like, you know what? You really got to mix this up. Because you got you to you, you gotta put something else in there other than that stuff because... If that's all, if that's all you're going to give me, I don't mean this is just me. If that's all you're going to give me in some reality shows, why should I watch? 
well, I canceled my cable a couple of years ago. I get my stuff from Hulu and Netflix and maybe iTunes and Zoom if I really want to see something. Um, I think that's why I gravitate more towards stuff like Big Love, which I just think is the most awesome series. Uh, True Blood, Walking Dead. I'm not a fan of Mad Men, but I appreciate what they're doing. Sons of Anarchy. Uh, I think the networks need to pay attention to what the cattle, uh, cable satellite companies are doing because they're doing a much better job at television. Not, and yeah. so, you know, and and for me, it's like I'm too busy and I hate commercials. I'm not going to turn in on a Tuesday night and watch V. I want to watch it at lunch. we end this interview i need you to tell the people where they can get your podcasts and where they can find you on the internet and anything else that you want to tell the people under the sun okay first of all listen to the show please because it doesn't seem like people are listening people say they listen but i look at the download numbers and i'm going yeah okay right <laughs> um no I, I one of the things i i really and this is probably I shouldn't even say this. I feel that even though I put out a comic book podcast, I feel that a lot of people don't listen because I'm a girl. And I feel that I have just as good as product as the guys do. And sometimes my numbers don't reflect that. And everyone I've talked to, they like what I do. So I don't, I, either I haven't figured out how to translate into bigger numbers or they just don't like the sound of my voice, which I understand. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I used to be on all the time, but now that I've gone back to work, I'm very sad. Um, usually in the evening on uh, Tomalo, T-H-O-M-A-L-O. You can find me on Facebook under Lori Thomas. Uh, it's two R's, I and E. You can contact me on uh, email, comicbookroadshow at uh, gmail.com. Other than that, you can pretty much find me on the forum for geeks. We have our own... Um, Forum there. We also have a forum over at Comic Geek Speak. I pretty much hang out on Twitter. You can find Daryl, of course, uh, the Voice One Two Three on Twitter. He's on Facebook. Uh, the podcasts that I'm associated with are Comic Book Roadshow, Realms of Gold, uh, The Fixers Hideout. No apologies. Yeah, I said it. Nothing's on. All right. Well, there we go. And you can get all those podcasts on iTunes, right? Yes. All right. Cool. All right, then. Well, listen, Lori, I thank you for coming on the show. You know, I had a really good time. I hope you had a good time as well. And, you know, hopefully we can get you back really soon. Thank you for having me on the show. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at HHWLOD.com and is also available via iTunes. And you can still go to PKDmedia.com to get our podcast, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store for free. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment, or you can email us at blackbox at PKDmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then... Dream big and hustle hard.